One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Oh. everybody um this is Janaea back at it again with um the podcast let's just talk with Janaea um I know it's been a minute since we've had a conversation um about things in general but um you know I think we've all been pretty much well aware of a lot of stuff that has been going on and I thought that it would be a very good idea just to kind of break in between of um, my seasons just to kind of get a special surprise episode in there just to talk about some things that we've all been experiencing. Um, so as we've all known, um, there's been a lot of protests going on. There's been a lot of calls to action and changes in policy and procedure um, with, you know, police reform and all different types of things that have been dealt with towards the Black community. And um, as we all know, stuff like this has been going on for a long time. But, you know, at this point, it looks like there's a lot more uproar, um, not just from Black people, but from all of our allies. And I think this is a time where we really have to start breaking that stigma and start having this difficult conversation that we've been trying to hold off for many years. Um, so before we do get started, um, I just want to introduce um, somebody who is going to be speaking um, on this topic with me today. His name is Jake. Um, there was a video that he posted on his Instagram um, story not too long ago, and I was able to come across it and listen to it through um, a mutual friend, and I thought that it would have been a very good opportunity um, for us to kind of have this conversation. Um, especially with me being a black female and him being a white male in America. I think that's a very good combination to have this conversation. Um, so again, I just want to introduce Jake to this episode. Jake, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, kind of let people know what you've been up to and why this um, conversation is important to you. Yeah, so I appreciate you having me on. Uh, like you said, I think uh, this is just the most important thing that we can be talking about right now. Um, and kind of like you alluded to, right, this isn't new. This isn't something that just happened overnight. Um, I think just starting with the George Floyd incident, it was sort of just the straw that broke the camel's back, right? And, and I think um, it's just led to a, a whole slew of things. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, I'm someone who, yeah, I am white. I grew up in a, not completely, but mostly white community. Um, and it wasn't till I went um, kind of away to college and really got to get involved with a more diverse community and people and walk with their experiences and understand different perspectives before I realized that um, though I might not be personally affected, uh, this is still my responsibility and something that I need to be a part of. So um, realizing that over the last few years, this conversation is something that um, I've, you know, always wanted to encourage with my friends and family, and I'm just um, thankful that more and more kind of unco uncomfortable conversations are happening um, in light of what's going on. Right, and um, I definitely would like to say that from me being in the Black community, that we definitely do appreciate um, 
every sense of gratitude, every sense of you guys being outspoken and supportive and, you know, being very aware of what's going on and also trying to make others aware and definitely still trying to educate yourselves on this topic. Um, because like I said, this is not something that we can just learn in one history class and just pass right. the test. Like this is something that we're going to, it was going to start from here on out until the end of time for us to really get to understand because we're talking 450 years and even still to present day of modern slavery towards black people specifically. Um, and we have just so much to unravel, so much history, so, so many things that have been hidden from all of us, not even just black people that we don't know or we're trying to figure out. And as once we try to figure it out, then it's like, there's another roadblock to something else. Um, so I personally just wanted to thank for all of, you know, of all the non-black people, including Hispanics and Asians and, um, that from the LGBT community, white people, everybody, like you guys have been, you guys have made this a lot easier in, in regards to that aspect, because it's like, now we know that we're being heard from the, uh, from a majority of people, not just, you know, a bunch of black people being outspoken about something. And then it just automatically sh gets shuts down. Like, and I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't understand still is that we need everybody in this, in this fight, because at this point, it's beyond a racial thing. Like it's a human right. And it's right. just like so many people are getting affected by this because it's like, you know, now we're in 2020 where we're also talking about how, even though it's still not maybe acceptable in some people's eyes, but socially there's a lot of interracial couples. So you can only imagine again, like how many people are being affected by this from parents who have mixed racial kids and people who are married to the opposite race. And it's just sure. a lot going into this. It's not just one specific group of people anymore. Um, so I think that's just the biggest thing that I kind of wanted to make my point first is that um, I don't want anybody to feel that because they're being outspoken about this, that they're that they're not being, that is not being, you know, taken with appreciation because it definitely is. Um, we might not say it because of, you know, everything going on and we're still trying right. to process a lot of things, but it is still always good for us to take that time to, you know, reach out our hand and, you know, give somebody a, a hug and just say thank you um, because it's a lot. Um, but with this whole conversation, I feel like this is the black and white conversation that we need to have where, um, you know, if there's any misunderstandings or things basically just to like clean up of what is going on why are, why is it still a thing and and I feel like for me it's more so why are people still not getting it I think that's what my biggest thing is is that at this point nothing is being sheltered everything is on camera everything is on the internet everything is on tv everything is on commercials um and people are still being super oblivious of what's going on because again, they feel like it does not affect them, which granted that's fine, but it's like, I, I just don't get it. So I feel like, I guess just, I mean, that's probably something Jake, you know, that I'm not saying you understand because clearly you do have a different perspective on this, but I don't know, like, if, is there something that I'm just not, understanding as to why people are still thinking the way they are like i i think that's where my mind is sure um yeah like like you mentioned uh i'm not black i would never claim to be um i think i wouldn't call myself an expert i'm just someone who over the last five years or so of my life have tried to do the best i can to really educate myself like you mentioned there's so much in our history that just 
is whitewashed. Like, let's call it how it is. Um, mm -hmm. I know, I mean, and I know so many people feel this way, but I didn't know what Juneteenth was until Obama was in office and he was like, hey, this needs to be a recognized holiday. And I was like, well, what's that? And then all of a sudden you see it on your Apple calendar and you're like, oh, well, that's new. Let me research it. So there's, there's so much, and that's such a small, small example um, that we just don't talk about. Um, I think um, that's, that's a huge thing. Like for a lot of white folks, we read history and we see we want to, we want to put a positive ending on it. Right. It's like, okay, you know, we know we messed up with slavery. All right. Well, the emancipation proclamation abolished that. And then, you know, we still weren't quite treat, you know, treating people equally, but you know, Martin Luther King came. So like, we're good now. Like the, I, I think there's this like white guilt of either um, knowing things were wrong and not wanting to admit to that. So we're going to go, just kind of uh, whitewash it and make things seem like, yeah, it used to be bad. We know, but like, we're good now. Like this is America. Everything's great. Um, or it's, it's truly just a product of your environment and like a, a legitimate ignorance. Like you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a lot of just majority white communities like across the country. And um, if you do, like, it's it's hard to know the experience of, you know, the average black American, if you don't know one. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think those are like two huge things where um, we aren't being properly educated and we're only being educated from one perspective. Um, and like, to what extent are we exposing ourselves to people who are different than us? Right. So, so I think those are just two huge factors and that can stem into a lot, right? I think there's so yes, you have your side of maybe just being unaware and ignorant. And I think you have your side of subconsciously deep down, you know, um, your privilege, even if that term bothers you, um, you do know that you benefit from it. And, you know, I think we've all seen that, uh, it was it Jane Watson or whatever, mm -hmm. the professor who, um, she speaks on, you know, the older white lady who speaks on a ton of race topics. And I think so many of us have seen it where she asks a room of like a few hundred white people, like, Hey, if you want, if you would like to be treated the way black people are treated in this country, would you go ahead and stand up? And she was like, Oh, let me ask it again. You probably didn't understand. And so she asked again and no one stands up. And I think, I think there's also a large group of people who, who falls there. Um, and whether it's lack of empathy um, or whether there is some deep rooted, like, selfishness or genuine racism like within someone who might not come out and overtly say it um i think that's the other issue is some people know um but like you said maybe they're not affected and just don't see it as their problem or issue or responsibility to speak up on it to act on it um and the other thing i think we're seeing from that conversation in the last month is hey like there's a difference between being not racist and anti-racist mm -hmm. I think like I, I've had a lot of really good conversations with a, a lot of my white friends of, you know, no, I was never raised to like hate or treat anyone differently or whatever. It's like, right. But have you ever recognized your own privilege just because like you're not black? Like, do you realize the position you are in? Like, have we been educated on that? And are we speaking against that? Um, so I think 
you know, those kind of two or three things lead to um, silence uh, from a lot of the white community. Um, and obviously I'm speaking to the people who aren't just overtly outright, admittedly racist. I think, um, you know, God willing a miracle, like some of those people are just never going to be willing to, you know, talk about this or, or, or switch sides, I guess. But uh, I think for the majority of people, uh, they fall into kind of one of those categories. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, um, you know, definitely something good to know. Um, again, you know, it's all just educational. Um, and I think my biggest thing that you kind of hit on where I was kind of thinking too is like, you know, as you were saying, for those who kind of feel that, I guess, quote unquote, guilt, um, of I guess what their ancestors have, you know, did or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I, I kind of still think that is there's some, there's um, and that and I'm only looking at it from from my perspective that there's still some sense of guilt there and privilege when it comes to those who feel guilty. But again, because it doesn't affect them personally, they don't say anything or do anything. And you know, I think I've made it pretty clear um, since the beginning. Um, with me being involved in this, like even way before the protests of, you know, our current, our current time right now, that you don't have to be the, fr- the forefront of a movement to be involved. You can simply have this conversation at home with your family and your friends, and that could be, you know, you being involved. You can partake in certain organizations or different um, groups in your area to raise awareness and you can be involved in that. And you know, that's stuff you could do after you get off of work. That's stuff you could do on a Saturday morning. Like you can be involved with your local um, voting, you know, elections, for example, because we know there's a lot of voter suppression and a lot of certain, yeah, a lot of that. So if you know, and if you're aware of things like this and you say this is not right, but you're not taking the steps to try to be part of the change. And granted, it's not going to just take you to to make it, you know, to make that change. But you don't think that if you step up, one of your peers or your relatives would be like, you know what? I feel the same way that, you know, Jake does. And I see that Jake is actually doing something about it. So that if anything, it makes that person feel a little bit more comfortable to kind of step out of that comfort zone because they know that if anything were to happen or if anybody were to look at them the wrong way, they will have backup. And I think, again, it's all about the supporting one another in that aspect too, especially with the white community, because it's just like a lot of the people we see speaking out on it or being, I guess, involved in it are the younger white, you know, generation, like, you know, our age and younger um, because they, you know, if anything, even if they do may have parents or grandparents or whatever who may be racist, they were exposed to a different era of time where it's so much diversity and it's just like they just they just can't see it. They can't fathom it. They can't process how you cannot like somebody just because they're different from you. And mm-hmm. God made us all to be different. And it's just like, you know, and then this is where the whole thing with the Bible kind of plays in part because everybody is so quick to want to quote it but they only quote what they want to quote because it also says in the bible that you're not supposed to judge anybody on what they look like because everybody's god's creation everybody is one man in god's eye so i mean it's just a lot of things that just don't make sense with that but basically like what i was trying to say is that you know for those who are part of the white community and they feel that 
you know, they want to be involved, but, you know, they don't want anybody saying anything to them type thing. Like, just, I guess this is where you have to start really pulling yourself apart and being the bigger person to find that group where you're going to feel that support. Because that is, like, once we get more of that out there, it's going to make a very big difference. And, you know, a, a point that I made to somebody just a few weeks ago, because um, there was a protest walk that I went to. And majority of the population at this protest was African American. And because it was more of a in a predominantly black area where it was held. So, you know, I went because it wasn't too far from my house. And, you know, there were a lot of great speakers. We had some elected officials that represent Henrico County and stuff that was out there, which it was great. Um, however, there was one person that spoke and, you know, the comments that she made were just very unnecessary. Like for me, being a black person and hearing another black person say that this is our fight and we don't want anybody taking over our fight because they're just going to get control. Then again, it's that it's like, you know, it's just like for the black community, we have so many things we need to fix from outside forces that are trying to kind of kill us and w internally. Because I just want to make it clear that even though I'm out there chanting Black Lives Matter, I'm not dismissing the fact that Black LGBTQ lives ma don't matter. I'm not dismissing the fact that Black on Black crime is not a thing. I am sure. not one of those people who are out there chanting Black Lives Matter when it's a racial thing, but when it comes to us internally or whatever the case may be, then it's just a blind eye. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. So that's kind of why I feel that you know, that's a very small group of people within the Black community who are like that, but I could say for right. the rest of us, it's like we are looking for more of our white, you know, peers to step up, and if you feel guilty, if you feel that gut-urging feeling that you want to do something or say something, and you're afraid to do it because you're afraid of what your relatives or your friends might say, that's privilege. Because it must be nice to know what it feels like that you don't have to worry about something because it doesn't affect you. And then we're talking on a bigger spectrum of, of something. We're talking about people's livelihood. We're talking about the economic stability of the Black community. We're talking about the social, we're talking about the physical, even when it comes down to healthcare. We're talking about, you know, just the, everything that makes this world go round affects black people and throughout history we have seen that if it wasn't for the civil rights being passed voting rights being passed like a lot of these monumental moments in history where black people were able to have a, a win so to speak there was a white ally that we had on our side in a very powerful position and he had a team of people who supported him in order to make sure that that was followed through. Because again, at that time, unfortunately, things were way worse than it was now, but we are still not in a good place. We definitely come a long way, but we have a way to go. But right. in order for us to move forward, we are going to have to work together as allies. And I'm not just talking about Black people. No, I'm talking about Black people, white people, Asians, Hispanics. Like We all have to work together to come to that common goal because, like I said, if we people really have to educate themselves and do history. The only way we have made progress is because at the time we had somebody who was white in a position that actually pushed it to go through. Because if they were Black, it would just be sitting on the desk. Right or ignored. So like I said, I don't care if people want to like it or not, truth and be told, I am somebody that I love 
all people. And, you know, at the end of the day, I am a very pro-Black person, but I'm a human being first. And truth and be told, there's really no such thing as race. That was technically something that was created. Because when you think about race, what is race? Because again, we all came from the same, the same, like, you know, thing of people is just continents shifted a little bit. Some people's skin tones got a little bit lighter than others. Right. You know, hair color is different. Eye color is different. That's the only thing that's different. But we, I cut, you cut yourself. We all bleed red. So at the end of the day, there is no such thing as race. That was something that was internally made in the system to separate people to make one superior feel, you know, more superior than the next. So there's a lot of things and kinks and all types of things behind a lot of this stuff that people just don't know. But I think it's time for people to really put down the guns and really work together to come to common grounds. Because honestly, the way that I feel is that if we don't push forward to have more conversations like this, not just within our own communities, but with each other. So, you know, if there's any unanswered questions that maybe I don't have about, you know, the white community and vice versa, we're not going to get anywhere. And, you know, 2021 is going to look very messy. It's going to look a lot worse than what this year looked like if we don't get things together now. So that's kind of where my mind is right now, where, you know, I really wanted to have this conversation with you because I was just like, you know, this is the type of conversations we need to be having. You know, Jake, you're doing your part. And again, like, I super appreciate it that, you know, you're making yourself aware on your platform. And, you know, it's good now that we're on this platform where we could have this conversation together so we could have an understanding of each other, you know, mm -hmm. our perspectives. And again, if there's any unanswered questions or, you know, what's the next step type of things and within the white community and black community to work, to work together, we can actually make that happen. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a lot of excellent points and yeah the goal the ideal is to do everything all together right um and and one thought that came to mind when you mentioned um the black lady who got up and spoke and, and mentioned some things about like no like this is ours like we're not letting you know other people or races like come into this or whatever um i can empathize and understand maybe the anger frustration hurt behind that sentiment mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I agree with you that that's not going to be what gets change or gets things, you know, on the right path to where we need to go. Um, but I think maybe, and, and I don't want to speak for her. I, I don't know her experience. Um, but I can say that, like, I think it is great that you've seen a lot of allies step forward. And I think that's really, really important. Um, and as you mentioned, it doesn't have to be you know, oh, social media, like, I think it's a great tool. Um, I'm not sure there's a better way to get your public opinion across to hundreds of people at once, but there are so many different ways you can get involved, right? Um, but I think one thing that's important and, and what I would caution, um, you know, my fellow white friends and family and uh, other just allies in general, uh, and I know that some people are um, whether this is intentional or they don't mean to or not. Um, I know that some, I've talked to some of my black friends who are maybe a little tired or weary or um, suspicious of this like virtue signaling you kind of see on social media from, um, you know, the allies or whatever, like what is your intention behind doing it? Are you simply posting 
something because you don't want to be labeled as racist. Cause I know a lot of people, um, and, and we should, we need to be calling it out. We need to be talking about it or saying like, Oh, if you're staying silent, like you're being complicit, like you're helping, you know, the side of the oppressor, which I completely agree with mm-hmm. so some people speaking out just like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to be labeled as that. So I'm going to, you know, post my black square and, and move on. And then you have other people who are just posting like, so much and and i know this term gets thrown around but you have a lot of white people who are like being like too woke about things right and so that that part bothers me um and maybe it's it's what that lady might be talking about i don't know again i don't know where her sentiment was coming from but i do understand and empathize with like when you see white folks on social media and and having conversations with people like like, oh, if you think this way, if you voted Trump, if you don't agree with me, like, F you, I'm cutting you off, like, whatever. And it's like, that's not going to lead to change for one. Two, you are not the one having experienced this oppression. You are not the one that is, this is happening to. So while it is appreciated that you do share an empathetic anger with the Black community, you need to be using your platform to have these tough conversations and remain strategic and remain loving and remain respectful um, and truthfully factual and historic, like bringing up a lot of good context that like we talked about earlier, isn't brought up in our history books to get your maybe older generation relatives who, you know, might be very privileged or blatantly racist, whatever it might be um, to understand like, listen, like what we're doing isn't right here and we need to see why. We need to see the difference in the treatment between black and white people and why it is our responsibility to step in and do something about it because the, the reality is white people created this problem. It wasn't, um, that's another thing we need to understand too is, you know, just because we are, aren't affected doesn't mean um, that we're not a part of this solution um, because even if, it had nothing to do with me, right? Maybe my ancestors 400 years ago had something to do with that. I'm not a part of that, but they created this problem for a group of people. And if we're in America going to claim all these values in the American dream, and if we don't want that to be a fraud, if we don't want what we think and know and love America to be, to be a fraud, like you have to step in for your brothers and sisters, right? And like you mentioned earlier, that's all people. That's not white people, that's all people. And so it is your responsibility to step in and to to have these conversations like you mentioned. Um, I just think it's really, really important and you know, for any white people out there who who are angry and are upset and like do maybe come from families where there's a lot of um, racist tendencies or beliefs, I like, I get your anger. I get that it's really hard um, to have those conversations because maybe you're going to get shut down at the dinner table or everyone's going to tell you like, Oh, you're just, you know, listening to the media, whatever they will do, like to sit here and say, you know what, I'm cutting them off. Like whatever, screw them. Isn't going to promote change. They're still functioning members of society who do vote who do influence their community. And frankly, like, again, if, if they are racist are going to continue to terrorize and oppress black people, we can't have that. So, um, again, understand, empathize your emotions, 
but like if you are white, your emotions cannot be the forefront of this thing. And like you mentioned, um, it's unfortunate and it's unethical to how we we got here. Like you said, like if just black people alone um, are the ones in this fight, like things aren't going to happen. And that sucks because that shouldn't be the case. It just shouldn't. Um, but the reality is because of hundreds of years of how systemically things have been set up, um, minorities in this country, um, and I know right now the focus is um, black Americans, but minorities in this country in general, or minorities anywhere in general, aren't going to get things done without help from the majority. Um, because the system's set up right now to, to, to ignore minorities. Like we don't, if you don't want to, and you're in the majority and you, you like where you're at, you're comfortable, you feel good, your things are set up for you, you know, fiscally, socially, health wise, and you don't want that to change. You don't have to listen to the minority. Uh, again, it's, it's a moral conscious decision to say, yes, like, this is a problem. We are all human being and we do need to be a part of this solution. Um, so I think that's a really good thing to remember. Um, if you are an ally and something I would just really strongly encourage you to think about, pray about, consider um, to, to not do the whole, you know, cutting people off and cussing them out and, and kind of creating more division. That's the last thing we need. Um, that, now that doesn't mean that sure there are probably there are people out there who probably deserve and it is justly deserves to be cussed out and cut off and whatever um, but again they are still functioning members in this society with a vote with a voice and with the ability to continue to oppress minorities and so it's more important to change that than it is just to feel good for 20 seconds on twitter because you cuss someone out um, so that's something that I would just encourage like a lot of allies to keep in mind that um, one, you are responsible and two, how you go about that is really important. And you know what, that is a really good point um, that I would say that I, I thought about, but I didn't let it, I didn't think too much into it is how you focused on speaking about how allies kind of have been dismissive towards their own due to the fact that they do have different points of view and different perspectives on these topics. Mm -hmm. um, because I know that there have been um, maybe just a quite a few people who have been like, you know, what you were saying, like, you know, if you voted for Trump, you know, follow, unfollow me and stuff like that. Sure. And I think you kind of did hone on a very, very valid point that this is a time where we need to be more unified than anything rather than more divided. Because like you said, like those people who have those tendencies to still want to be racist and whatever their case may be, they're still going to vote. <laughs> and they are going to love the fact that they voted for whoever they voted for at the end of the day, sure. no matter what we say or not. But we just have to make sure that we're putting our energy into the right places at, at the end of the day. Because if we are focusing our energy on, you know, being more divided and fighting towards one another is only going to make matters worse. And clearly we can see that it has made things way worse. Um, but that, again, is kind of to how we got to where we got to, because, again, with all of the, um, you know, the years of oppression and, you know, the, the systemic racism and everything through the system, we are divided. That has been very, very clear for a very long time. And again, if anything, it's just been more forefront now because I would say, unfortunately, um, with people that we do have in higher places, 
you know, they've kind of made people of us normal citizens, so to speak, feel comfortable enough to say and speak and do as we please, because that's how that person does. He doesn't say and do as he pleases, and there's no consequences to it. If anything, people curse him out on Facebook or they praise him on Facebook. So at the end of the day, he doesn't get touched for it. So that's just the world that we have gotten to, but that's still no excuse as to why we still can't make sure that for with us being the majority of the people that actually make this country run, because if there was no such thing as them getting our votes, there would be nothing. You know, us as citizens, we make this country run. They don't. That's why, again, like, even though the country, the way the country was built, I would say that there are some fundamental values and morals that were instilled in this country that it does make sense because when it comes to the fact that the government doesn't run the people, the people run the government, it makes sense. Because like I said, if we don't go out and vote, and I'm talking about anybody, if nobody goes out to vote for any party, there will be no such thing as for Democrats or Republicans. They would just be normal citizens like us. Right. So um, I think like, you know, that was a very valid point that I think that we all kind of needed a, a reality check on because at the end of the day, we all do get in our um, our emotions with certain things and I know for sure that this has been a very emotional mentally draining stressful conversation and topic to have because again it, it, it was not something that just recently started to happen but the way that it's happening now is just way overboard everything is happening back to back between the George Floyd and then the Ahmaud Aubrey and then the Breonna Taylor. And then it's just, everything is just has been consistent. It's like nobody has gotten a chance to kind of breathe, process, try to go through the process of, you know, getting justice for one person because in the midst of getting justice for one, then the next thing you know, you see on the news, not even 24 hours later, something happened to somebody else. And then now with all of that happening, now we're, you know, we're not, we're still not even over the fact that there were incidents that happened years ago that still have no justice. So it's like, and, we, and we're still fighting for that still to this day. So it's just like, at this point, I feel like, you know, everybody is over it. And it's just, it's just been so many things that built up and everybody's just tired. And I can say for black people, we are beyond tired. And I can speak for my black people. Like when I say we're tired, we are tired. Right. Like this is it. Like this is like, we're done. We're going to, Literally, like, there are people out here being as involved as they can be, and I would never think in a million years that they will even get up to go check the mail, like, on a, on a normal day. But these people out, mm -hmm. out here protesting and, you know, calling local representatives and writing letters to, you know, representatives out in Minnesota and stuff. So, like, there's so many things that's going on right now that it is very positive, and I can specifically say that I am hopeful that we are on the right path to change, but we still need to keep our values and what our demands are at the forefront because it has been extremely frustrating to be part of organizations where you're looking on the news and they're talking about changing labels to rice and syrup or changing the people who are speaking for characters on certain shows or right. doing paintings in the street and changing street names. like. That's cute and all, but that's not what I could honestly say that is not what we really care for right now. Like there are people who have unjustly cases of police brutality and so many other incidents that happened where 
we are talking about that. We're talking about defunding, not abolishing, but defunding the police departments because there should be no reason why there's more money going into police departments than it is our own schools. That blows my mind. That makes no sense. So we are talking about getting our police departments situated. We're talking about getting our, then our schools situated. We're talking about getting our communities situated. We're talking about um, reparations of bringing more economic equity into these black communities where we can start having a push to be in the same, on the same financial and wealth level as even a simple middle-class white citizen where that wealth gap that everybody complains about, that's what the problem is, is because we can, you know, for, for example, me and you can graduate from the same school, let's say UVA, me and you could both graduate from UVA, same certificate, same degree, same certifications, probably around the same GPA. We probably were both on the same clubs and extracurricular activities. We go mm-hmm. interview for the same job position. You're going to get it before, because, and I'm not going to get it because you're a white male and I'm a black female. Mm-hmm. That right there, off, off grip. Like, that's the stuff that we need to be pushing for. I can care less about syrup and rice and stuff that I barely even eat, to be honest, because I, I, <laughs> I don't eat stuff like that. So that doesn't bother me. But it's just like, again, like when these ideas are being put out there, it's like people are still not getting it. And it doesn't help neither that when you look on the news, it's kind of confusing as to where these changes are being introduced like down the line, because on the forefront, when we're out here protesting and stuff like that, that's not what we're out here protesting for. When we're signing these, when we're signing these petitions, that's what we're not signing these petitions for. But then right. when you look on the news and you're looking, when you're seeing like, like congressional hearings and stuff within your state or, you know, federal, on a federal level, you're seeing them talk about how they're making DC the 51st state. Like we really care about that right now. So I'm just trying to figure out where all of this stuff is being introduced because I feel like there has been a lot of, again, divide starting to happen in the midst of where we, again, need to stay unified because it's the, the, the blame game. Like, oh, well, they were the ones that said it. And I'm just like, but I don't really see anybody talking about stuff like this. If anything, when I look on social media, people are like, why do we care about race again? Why do we care about syrup again? So I don't know. It's just been very frustrating with on that. But I just, again, really hope that everybody does stay focused on the main goal and making sure that we are having our demands met. Because I feel that if they can send out stimulus checks, they can send out reparations. And that whole excuse of that for over the last few years have just been exactly what it was just an excuse of them not wanting to again basically close that wealth gap and basically pay back all the reparations to descendants of slaves because if we want to be technical they did it before they did it for japanese americans after world war ii you know after all of that they gave them probably close to six figures worth of money individually and as we see a lot of asian americans in this country have been extremely successful because of the fact that they got reparations back then. And if anything, they took their money and they just invested it and reinvested it. You know, they opened shops, they opened businesses, they went back to school, got their degrees and opened practices in medical fields and law fields and became doctors. Like they did what they needed to do. So the fact that you could easily do it for them, but you can't do it for us, 
again, doesn't make sense. You could come up with $1,200 or a certain amount of money, depending on if people have kids or, or, or if they're married or whatever, mm-hmm. off grip like this, but you can't give Black Americans reparations. And then the amount of money that they sent out in stimulus checks to people who were deceased was more than the people alive that, you know, the amount that people alive died. Right. So the whole excuse of it's not possible and people making an excuse as to, well, the government doesn't have to give them anything. You know, they got to work just as hard as we got. We got to work just as hard. We're working harder. We've been working harder to try to catch up. You guys won't allow us to catch up. That's that's what you want. You don't want us to catch up because mm-hmm. any uh, I can I can and I could truly say this because I am a second generation immigrant to family members on my mother's side who came from another country and the way that black immigrants are treated and how other immigrants are treated are not the same either. So there is a lot of privilege when it comes to certain minority groups as well where they can get away with oh, this isn't my issue. I don't have to worry about this. This has nothing to do with me. I've heard it. I've heard it from other minorities. So just to hear and see and just kind of go about how everything has kind of really come to full, like full tuition over like the last few weeks, it's been stressful. But like I said, like at the end of the day, I hope a lot of people have that unfortunately, possibly necessary reality check that they need to wake up. And if for those who are woke, they need to stay woke and they need to stay grounded and humble and, you know, just stay educating because that's all we can do is educate. Like, again, this is not something that you can force down somebody's throat, like in nine months, (laughs) like if we were in school, Um, there's no test to this. We have to just keep pushing. And I hate to say it, but, you know, we all die eventually. So um, the most we can do is just keep going forward. Like, I mean, the most that we can do is just keep trying and just hope that as years go on and the, the newer generations that are a lot more open and accepting, they will become the vast majority of the population that we need to make things a lot easier um, or manageable, so to speak. But as of right now, I think that's the biggest thing that I just want all communities um, to understand. And it's, again, it's not just up to white people being the biggest allies. It takes all of us because truth and be told, when it comes to normal civilians and government, we are all minorities to the government. So at the end of the day, we're all fighting this as a human right. And it's not just a racial thing anymore at this point. Right. Yeah. You touched on a lot of great things there. Um, I think something I would want to again, communicate with like fellow allies, fellow white people. And a lot of the things you said is like, first and foremost, you need to educate yourself on historical context of black people in this country to even begin to understand why, you know, we're having this conversation about reparations, reparations, reparations for what? Well, that's a really long conversation, but like, there are so many things that again, we are so History is so whitewashed that we think we pass some policy and that boom, all racism and all discrimination was gone and everyone just had the same equal opportunity. Like truly, like what the heck do you think when they technically freed slaves and gave them literally nothing going from generations of like they don't even know their names anymore because they're just taking after the last name of their slave owners 
and you're talking about third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation slaves who know nothing other than servicing white men, then are set out into this society, which they are, they've never gone to school. They've never been taught about what you even do in society. They, they might not even know what's out there because they've been, you know, fenced in on these plantations. And so it's like, okay, go ahead. It's like, it's like releasing like a domestic animal out into the wild. Like they're just going to get killed. Like they don't know how to live out there. They've not been given any preparation or understanding or education or finances to, you know, be functioning in society the same way I was the same way that I've been able to go through an education system and, you know, come from a household that's able to make money and it's perpetual. It's a cycle. Like people don't get it. Like, you don't understand that when we start off that way um, and, and never do anything to actually put people on the same platform, the same level, the American dream isn't real for everyone. And we have to talk about that. Like stop saying, Oh, the American dream is like what makes this country so great. Yeah. The American dream for white people is what makes it comfortable for you. That's what it is. And like, you need to understand that, Again, I, in my video that you referenced and, and how we got connected, I used the analogy of a basketball game, right? Like this, like people need to realize that the way it was officiated, the way that it was scored, the way that things were for so long weren't fair. And when we finally said, okay, technically on paper, we'll let you be free and be fair, they didn't start the score over. So like white people were already – well-oiled and functioning, have tons of property. I mean, they are giving away acres for five cents at that point. You wonder why black people don't live in, in a lot of rural parts of this country because they weren't allowed to have property. All the property was just given away to white people. So like you live in an all white community for a, like it was designed that way. This isn't circumstance. It's not because black people are inherently, you know, incapable of, you know, running their own family or running a business or, you know, providing for themselves. No, it was designed that way. And so like, we need to start asking ourselves questions of like, okay, um, you know, black people are like disproportionately affected by certain things, but ask why, because to not ask why is to assume that black people are inherently worse people, like less moral, less educated, less smart, less talented, like all these things, like the only reason you could possibly just not go through life like questioning that is that there's a deep rooted belief that like, yeah, they deserve that. And that's like, that, that'll just get me angry real quick. But <laughs> like, there, there's just, there's no logic in that. And we need to understand that just because something happened hundreds of years ago, doesn't mean that there's no residual effect. Like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> I could talk about that for a really long time. But like, you need to start asking yourself those questions. Why are things the way they are? Like, do you understand what happened after the Emancipation Proclamation? They basically re-legalized slavery by creating the, you know, incarceration system. And so like, then do you understand what happened after that with Jim Crow? And do you understand that like, for all my people out there who oh, looting and violence isn't the answer. It's like, okay, well, what is? Because for decades, 
black people have been peacefully protesting and seeing no change. And like we talked about earlier, change didn't come until a white person stepped in with them. And so like, if, you know, diplomatic discussion doesn't lead to change as much as you continue to push and cry for and protest and beg and do everything that people tell you to do in America to achieve the things you want, like you are following to a T and they're not working um, because of the color of your skin. So it's like people need to understand that like when you say, oh, like just do it another way, what you are communicating with like black Americans there is please go back to protesting or asking for things in such a way that I can continue to ignore it and not have this be an uncomfortable part of my life. So I can enjoy the comfort of the things I get to experience. I don't want to hear about it anymore. But like what people don't realize is when that diplomatic discussion doesn't lead to change um, and maybe, you know, white people stepping in isn't enough, or maybe white people don't also step in and, and join hands with the black community and what they're asking for. Like, when MLK was assassinated, there were over a hundred cities in this country who rioted. And I mean like worse than what we saw after George Floyd. Um, and it was eight straight days. Um, and at the time it, it caused over $10 million in property damage. And we're talking 1968. So that's, um, I looked it up. It's roughly like 75 to $80 million in damages like today, um, over eight days. It wasn't until day nine that they passed the Civil Rights Act. So like nothing happened, not nothing, but nothing, for, for all intents and purposes, nothing happened when MLK was alive. Like my dear white friends who love to quote him, no, we killed him. And then people went nuts because they were like, listen, this dude just spent his entire life trying to communicate something with you guys very respectfully he actually like mlk was a, a leader of like no like my black friends we can't be violent it's not going to work and he was the one who would try to like calm down those justfully angry like black people who were trying to you know incite violence for change and so he dies and everyone's like okay that's we're done here um and it again like so sorry, but it actually led to tangible change. So when you're not going to listen to someone and your, your system and your privilege sets up in such a way that if white people don't join in, you will not be heard. Um, like how, like what else do you like expect to happen? I mean, there's clearly injustice. And if you're going to ignore it, we're going to make sure your attention is grabbed. And so like people need to understand like, yes, I, along with millions of other people, do not want to see our cities be burned down. Like, I don't want to see jobs lost. That's, that's the last thing I want to see. But do I understand and empathize where Black people are coming from in the midst of that? Absolutely. And we need to hear that cry. And so, like, again, like, to my white friends, to our allies, like, you need to ask those questions. Like, look in the mirror. Understand. Like, study some history. Ask your, you know, black friends and family, maybe like their understanding of kind of their ancestry and maybe a different perspective on history that you aren't taught and that you're not gonna just like see in your history books. Like when I say like educate yourself and look things up, like you need to go through tons of sources. You need to ask pointed questions. And again, like if you do have good relationships with black people in your life, like you need, you need to be asking those questions. Um, 
one thing I'll say to that though, if you are white and do not have like a legitimate relationship um, with a black person, please, please, please do not ask them to educate you. Um, it is, it is like, it's not their responsibility unless like they publicly and openly say, Hey, like I am here to educate. Like, that's what I want to use my platform for. Great. But like your one black coworker or your one black associate you had in high school chemistry class is not an appropriate person to reach out to and either be like, Hey, like I'm here for you, like whatever, or like, tell me everything. Um, that I feel like, and, and again, I know that not everyone feels that way. And I know that some like some black people are like, no, like I'm loving this. I'm welcoming this. Like I'm happy to be a part of this conversation, this change. Great. If that is known and out there by all means do what you need to do. But I think what I've had conversations with some of my black friends, they specifically have mentioned um, they've been reached out to, to people that they wouldn't really consider friends. They like barely know almost as if, you know, and that white guilt comes back almost as if to say like, Oh, I can check off this box of like, I reached out to the one black person I know. So I'm not racist. I'm good. I did my part. Um, no, like a real relationship needs to be there or you need to be invited into that conversation. So as much as I encourage, like, seriously, like if you do have relationships with black people, like, yes, like please have those conversations, ask questions that you don't know or understand that's really, really important, but make sure that there is a relationship there or an invitation. Um, cause that can be very offensive or just dismissive to that person. Um, again, it, it seems like you're not genuinely interested in them. You're interested in checking a box. So side note there, um, I'm, I feel strongly about that. Um, but yeah, it's really important just in general for us to be having those conversations and understand that, your history book is not covering everything and you need to recognize that. And there's still so much, I don't know. There's still so much, I'm sure you don't even know. Like there's so much that's been kept from us. Um, and you know, piecing things together the best we possibly can, but these types of conversations have to be encouraged and normalized. Like, like you were talking about earlier. I don't know why there's such a stigma of, you know, you always hear like, oh, religion and politics, like don't talk about those at work. Don't talk about those at the dinner table. And it's like, well, well, why? Like, where do you get all your values from in life? Right? Like not necessarily just those two things, but those are two pretty huge things that shape people and what they believe in our society and, and how we function. So it's like, we should be able to have these conversations. And again, if we're coming in, like, when you are approaching those conversations, please do it in a place of like, I genuinely want to listen and understand and not like, Ooh, let me wait for a, a point to interject and put in my two cents. Like, yes, like it's good for you to share, but like you, if you're not, if you're not going into those conversations, seeking to understand, like you need to look yourself in the mirror and see like, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, but those, those conversations need to be normalized. Um, so I know for, like for me, this isn't like an uncomfortable conversation, even with some of my like family members who I get lots of pushback from, I'm not uncomfortable. Um, is it, do I have to like really maintain discipline to keep like emotions in check sometimes based on certain comments said? Absolutely. That's what's hard for me, but it's not uncomfortable. Um, however, I do understand that it might be for someone who, again, maybe like, like you said, feel some of these things, but has always been afraid to speak up. Maybe they're just a little more shy, uh, scared of like repercussions. I get that this is uncomfortable. Um, but like you said, like 
you're not alone. And, and the more voices we have in this, the more important. And so, like I mentioned earlier, I do not condone like virtue signaling on social media or whatever. Um, and I don't think there's one right way to go about doing stuff. But if you do have a real relationship with like any black friends, I do think it's important if, if it's not already known for you to let them know like, hey, like I'm in your corner. Um, just to like, it just provides hope and it just provides that unity that we've been talking about. Um, and just pr like, it just makes you feel more confident that like, hey, you know what, this, maybe not tomorrow, but like this is gonna lead to change someday. And like, like you said, that's the goal. Like we just, we need to unite as many people we can on this front and realize this isn't a political issue um, at all whatsoever. This is just a caring for the rights of human beings like issue. And if you, if you claim and walk that that's what you're about, especially my claimed Christians out there, like, please understand, like, like you mentioned, please read the whole damn Bible, not just the like two quotes that like make you feel good. Um, like Jesus's life was not about any sort of control and manipulation. Like he was all about just loving every single human. He spent his whole time with the marginalized. Like that was his whole life. You know, like he built people up. He made sure they were seen and understood and heard and felt compassion towards. So like, that, you know, if, if that's part of your belief system, you need, you need to be asking yourself these questions. You need to look in the mirror. You need to understand that this is not a political issue. It's a human issue. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I'm hopeful. Um, cause I do think I have seen just even with a lot of my white friends who would never talk about this, maybe they were uncomfortable, you know, really trying to get involved the best they can. I am hopeful. I, I do believe that Again, it's going to take a long time. Like you said, there's a lot of reparations that need to be done. And that's going to take time to, you know, pass policy and whatever. But it starts at home. It starts at your dinner table. It starts with your friends. Yeah, so I just think it's, uh, you know, really important that there's a legitimate relationship there and making sure um, that your Black friends do know that, like, they have someone to trust in you and that, you know, you're someone who's going to be in their corner. Um, and I think, I think that's really important. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I don't like the whole virtue signaling, checking a box type thing. So I think it is important that, you know, you are doing something and that there's a relationship there when you do reach out or that you have been invited to reach out. Um, but I do think it's important to do those things. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm hopeful um that real change will come from this i think i've seen a lot of uh like my white friends who maybe would never really say anything on this topic before um who are you know speaking out and getting involved and going downtown and protesting and signing petitions and um you know everyone's registered to vote and so there's a lot of really good things i do think is happening um and again, the more we can understand that there are just more people united on this front than, uh, you know, just those who are affected, I think the quicker this change will come. I know it's not going to be tomorrow, but it doesn't have to be like decades from now either. Like in the next few years, we have a really good opportunity to make real change happen. Um, and that just starts with those conversations, you know, at your dinner table with your family, you know 
when you're hanging with your friends on Friday nights, um, that sort of thing. So I, I just think it's really important to be asking yourself these questions, really, really um, dig into some historical context for why we are where we are today and the trickle effects of slavery. Um, because like, like I mentioned earlier, this isn't something that we can just discredit and say like, Oh, this was years ago. It's like, okay, slavery was years ago, but do you understand how that has shaped today? And it's, we're really not that far removed from, you know, a lot of things in the grand scheme of things. So, um, yeah, I just think it's really important to educate yourself and have those conversations. Yep. And, um, I did just wanted to, um, as we're wrapping up right now on this, um, episode that I just want to let people know, especially black people know that we were once at a point where we were successful. So I don't so want people to think, think that, that we're literally, we're literally starting, starting like, like we've never, we've been, never somewhere been somewhere in life before. Um, you know, as we all know, when um, with the Tulsa, Oklahoma, the bombings in 1921, that was a very successful Black community that we had um, at that time. And, you know, there were Black millionaires, Black billionaires, Black real estate agents, Black doctors, Black lawyers, Black police officers, um, local Black grocery stores, and um probably pharmacies and gas stations and anything that you could possibly think of that we see on a day-to-day, everything was black owned from the clothes that we wore to the toothpaste that we bought, everything was black owned. So I just want people to know. And again, like, you know, I think that's something we really made a big theme is education and research are your two biggest friends with this whole thing because with us having access to so many different things on the internet now and being able to learn how to properly fact check things when we come across information, um, there, again, there's no reason why we cannot say we can't look for something to better understand history and um, what things we need to understand to move forward. Because even though everything happened in the past, that past is obviously still affecting our present and will only make our future worse. Um, so that's just a perspective that I hope a lot of people do take away from this conversation that we had today is that education, research, um, being involved, um, and just having the mentality of I'm mad that I'm not going to do anything. That's a privilege. Um, and we need to make sure that that is something that is very under highly understood. And again, it's not only white people who have privilege I've seen you know, privilege in all different races, you know, people who are, like you said, well off and they're comfortable and they, they've made it to wherever they got to, they totally disregard everything else. And it's like, well, it's not personally affecting me in, in my household, so I don't have to worry about it. But if you are a successful minority of any sort and you get pulled over, they don't care if you're a doctor or a lawyer, they see you as a minority, they see you as black, they see you as brown. And that's the only thing that's in their head. They can care less about anything. They don't care about how much money you got. If anything, the money will probably get you out of jail. That's it. That's the only difference. But the situation of how you got to jail, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. That Or that's the biggest thing out of it. So um, I think that was just the final note that I kind of wanted to make. Um, I would say more on a positive note is that I hope that, you know, just kind of talking more to Black people that, um, 
we need to know that we were once in a very successful place in history, so to speak. And if we, do, if we collectively unify amongst ourselves and with our allies, we can all get there back to that point. Um, so, I mean, I think that was everything that I really wanted to talk about in this conversation. And Jake, I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to have this important conversation because I know you've made it um, your biggest thing that we do need to have more dialogue like this um, amongst, you know, people in our, in our friend group, you know, our relatives, even people we might just meet, you know, through social media, like how we did. Right. Um, so it's good to kind of have that platform and have the connections that we have with modern day technology to connect with different people of all different backgrounds and be able to educate one another on you know, each other's life and, and preferences and perspectives and struggles and, and, you know, our obstacles and because, you know, everybody goes through things. So, um, but with this specific topic, this is very intense. So hopefully, um, like I said, I think we both agree that we're both very hopeful from where we are moving forward to, but we just need to make sure that we do keep our structure and our values and all of our demands the forefront and center and not get distracted by the things that we are going to get distracted by. Right. Yep. So were there any final thoughts or notes that you kind of wanted to leave behind? Um, yeah, just echoing that this is super important. I mean, I just, I don't think there's a more important conversation to have in the world right now, other than maybe, you know, knowing that, Jesus Christ loves you and died for you. Um, I don't think there's a more important conversation to have. Uh, so that's just my encouragement. And like I said, I really appreciate you reaching out to me uh, and making this happen. I think these type of these types of dialogues, like you mentioned, just need to be normal. Uh, we need to break down stigmas that this should be taboo or uncomfortable or anything like that. Like this, this is super important. And the important things um that we end up that end up shaping our value and the way we live need to be what we talk about um listen I, I enjoy netflix and sports too but let those be secondary conversations like these these need to be um a part of the conversations you have like even us young people like when you're with your friends like you know you're you're shaping your values right now like these conversations should be had um and it, and it shouldn't be weird you know just come into it with respect um, and, and seeking to understand people and, and to educate yourself. And, and I know we've probably seen this a lot if you're on social media, but we really do, not to be cliche, but need to normalize the idea that, you know, thinking or perceiving or believing one thing, um, then being educated or learning a new perspective and being able to change your mind and like that being okay. Um, I, I think that just needs to be something that, uh, is going to lead to growth in this country, in this world, um, is, is that mindset of like, you don't know everything and it's okay that you don't know everything. Uh, just come into it with an open mind and being, and being willing to listen to other people. So again, I really do appreciate you reaching out. I thought, um, it was just really cool to hear a lot of your thoughts on this thing. Um, and, and I, like I said, I just, I hope this is, just a springboard for other people who maybe listen to have this conversation. Yep, I definitely do agree. And again, Jake, I do appreciate you taking the time um, to having this conversation. 
Um, again, to everybody who is listening, this was um, a surprise episode. Um, it's not the start to season two of the podcast, um, even though season two will be coming out a little bit later this year. Um, there will be a lot of very interesting topics to talk about and um, per usual, nothing different on that part. Um, but I definitely did want to have this conversation in the midst of everything happening as things were still raw and fresh, um, just so we can get everybody's mind back on the ball and making sure that we're all staying positive and motivated with this movement because it's not a, mo uh, not a moment in time, but it's definitely going to be a movement from here on out. Um, so again, for everybody listening, for you, Jake, again, very much appreciated for listening and attending to this episode today and i hope that we can continue going forward and moving forward during these um very present times so thank you so much for listening and everybody have a great one i've been walking with my face turned to the sun weight on my shoulders a bullet in my gun Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head Just in case I have to run I do what I can when I can While I can for my people While the clouds roll back And the stars fill the night that's when I'm gonna stand up, take my people with me. Together we are going to a brand new home. Far across the river, can you hear freedom calling? Calling me to answer, gonna keep on keeping on. I can feel.